This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. I don't know if you guys have ever played drinking games. I have, mm-hmm. so let me volunteer some information for you. When you have to take ten separate quick sips with breaths... That's terrible. Breathing, it's awful. You you die. You just get air in your, in your bloodstream, and then you die. And then you die. You die. So this seems awful. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to you by ManorDeprived.com and 60cards.com. Check us out. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal palm-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. I don't know about you guys, or I'm just mind-tricking myself constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Boosh. They're of a different culture, KYT. They prefer their magic untainted by the internet. Scotty. Then you just pull the fucking Mind Slaver and you just dome them with their own dude. That's entertainment. And Medina. I'm on camera and I'm like, oh man, don't blink. Act like you meant to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And now, the A-Team. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 91 of the A-Team Podcast. Uh, I'm your host this evening, Scott, and with me as always is uh, Jay and John. How are we doing tonight, boys? Hi, everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone, we're KYT. We are, we are short one KYT this evening. He has decided that flying to GP Atlanta is more important than podcasting. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he gets there safe and, well, you know, in exchange, we've actually got one insane baller, uh, from GP Vancouver, a, uh, a long time listener of the show and, and, you know, 15 and O record going into the finals of GP Vancouver insanity. Uh, we've got Jeremy with us. Jeremy, how's it going? It's going great, man. It's uh, great to be on the show. I love the show, and I'm uh, just uh, enjoying the 15 minutes of fame while I can. <laughs> yeah. So, Jay, talk to us a little bit about the venue that GP Vancouver was in. Like, sure, how sure. was it? The no, actually, it was, it was right downtown, right on the seawall. And um, it was uh, at the new convention center that they built last year for the Olympics. And so that was pretty sweet. And um, it was really nice. Uh, I mean, it has some pretty slow ele- escalators. So you uh, you you go up some stairs to this like second floor, and then you take an escalator down three stories into like the tome. Oh my god! Yeah, into like the nerdy basement. And uh, but it's like a really slow escalator, so you had some time to like chill with your bros, have some combos, you know, say what's nice. up, drink your coffee, have a shit, read the paper, you know. It's in time. That's what I'm saying. So, um, so yeah. So it was nice. And then we get into the hall, and I mean, it was a typical convention hall, you know, like nerds here, tables there, you know, microphones. Um, it was pretty nice given how new it was, but it wasn't like I mean, it was basically four walls, a ceiling, and a floor, right? Like it wasn't wasn't something 
super awesome. Yeah. So I saw a couple pictures of the coverage, um, and the chairs looked like super comfortable. Well, this is the issue. Everybody's fat. Um, so the chairs were super comfortable if you weren't fat, which <laughs> nobody was. Everybody was fat. So um, they they had like this really already far leaning back is what Scotty's referencing for everybody. They were like super comfortable. They were metal chairs, but then they had like really nice padding, and then they kind of had like a like a leaned back angled like backrest so that you could like you know just relax. But so many people went to go do that and just like bent their chair in half, uh, like just because they were just big sweaty babies. Sweaty babies. Sweaty babies. So, yeah, so, and they were comfortable to sit on, though, and your butt didn't get super sweaty. So that was, that that was good. It was nice. There wasn't a whole lot of smelly people. Like, they, you could tell, like, that was a main factor. Like, you know, it was like eight rounds in, and you didn't have to smell somebody's butt when they walked by. That's sweet. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Con- Conley Woods was there, right? Yeah, me and Conley kind of shot the shit for a little bit. I got to watch some of his matches, and... uh he plays, like, way better than all these chumps give him credit for. Everybody's just, lay off my boy Boats. He's really good. He's nice. fine. He's just good. He's enormous, though. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. He is so enormous. He has, like, a neck pillow, and um, he looks and sounds exactly like he did on the show, but his feet are, like, as big as my fucking keyboard. <laughs> it's true. Like, he just walks around on fucking cruise ships all day. It's, yeah. It was crazy. He's an enormous person. He's enormous. And then uh, I met Owen Turtenwald as well. It's a funny story, but um, it's cool. Did he recognize you? Yeah, he came and sought me out. No way. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah he like walked awesome. up, and then he was talking to somebody, and he was like, are you Jay? And then they were like, no, this is Jay. And then he turns, he's like, oh, my God, you're Jay from the show, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, holy fuck, your show's so good. Thanks for having me on. We have to do another show, man. And then I was kind of like, really? What? What's going on here? And then he was like, yeah, I'm so sorry that I bailed on you. I was super sick. And i like, fuck, we just got to do another fucking show, man. And I just really wanted to come and say hey and make sure that I, like, found you and said hi and, like. Oh, wow. I was, You're I was, kidding me. Like, he might, You're, tro- he, You're trolling me. You're he trolling me. That didn't me. He could have been trolling me, but I don't think he was. And if he was, I don't care. I'm going to pretend that he wasn't. Because he was, yeah, he, he, came and, he came and found me and, like, was, like. Trying to get up all on this. And then he phoned me. I gave him my phone number. fucking called me. He also said no. Scott was the best interviewer ever. And, and that he loves uh, Scott. That's what he also really? said that. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said really? he phoned me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did he say that? I'm totally, totally trolling you. Oh, you're an asshole. <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> my God, that's fucking terrible. Yeah, I can't yeah, believe you yeah, did that hey, to me. But every, everyone in the comments said that you're an awesome interviewer, though, you know? So, yeah. yeah it's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we got lots of love last week for, for the show with Jerry in the comments. So want to make sure that uh, you all know you are so very much appreciated. You know, we, we do take the time. We read every single comment, and uh, and it's it's awesome. So we just uh, want to make sure we say thank you because they were good this week. Yeah, and, and one of these days we're just going to give out a free card, you know? Yep. Just like the bonfire. Yep. So, like, I know you guys are waiting for that. It's going to happen. Just keep commenting. Maybe maybe assign Jerry Schofield. Uh, is it Schofield? Schofield, yep. Yeah, Schofield and Treat the Angels. And Treat the yeah, Angels. Yeah, maybe. Or, or my second draft deck. 
There aren't any right? chase oh, rares. Oh, wait. I'm just kidding. Oh, wait. Yeah, I guess we can't do that. Then. Maybe a playset of the of, of vintage M10 lens. Ooh. Fine. <laughs> uh, so we could just ram the value to the ground more. <laughs> just draw so, a crappy face on a Lord of Atlantis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a. We'll, we'll have Polish tamales do some kind of altar in Lord of Atlantis. He'll be like well, at the bar drinking and stuff. <laughs> well, you've got to make it look like Frank Lepore, though. Pol- Polish well, tamales has to make the master of the Pearl Trident look like Frank Lepore sat at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Frank Lepore's commentary on that card just cracks me up. It's yeah. just like. Oh, man. He's just like. How about I just write the card text over and over again in my article? It's like, yeah, we get it. It's very obvious what, what the card does. Like, he's like, if you put it together with Merfolk, they all get one one. It's like, yeah, no shit, what? dude. Merfolk? <laughs> oh, man. That's where that card belongs. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Frank Laporte. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Jeremy, we got Jay's impression of the venue. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it from your perspective? Uh, well, I was listening in a little bit as uh, making my uh, move around, but yeah, he's absolutely right. Uh, Jason Ness was the guy organizing it. He did a fantastic job. Uh, it was a great event. Uh, I felt like it was moving really quickly, so yeah, uh, that was really cool. Uh, the venue was great. Uh, you know, you didn't have to run too far for like bathrooms. There was water, kind of like set up at little stations, so that was really cool. Dealers were in a good spot. Like it was just a really, really nice, tight uh, uh, venue. Uh, the toughest part, though, is I think they were jamming maybe a little too ma- too many games on the table, so you're always uh, bumping elbows with people. But uh, you know that's what uh, that's what the big tournaments are, so that's uh, that's cool. Nice. So you did like inhumanly well, right? Like people could probably you know assume that you were mechanically enhanced at some point, like throughout yeah, the tournament. It was kind of messed up because it. You know, like you think of like a baseball comparison, it'd be like pulling a guy out of the stands to pitch a game, and he gives up one hit in the ninth, like almost throws that perfect game. Like it was just unreal. I was totally beast mode. I was going completely crazy. I have no idea. I was just possessed. Like just thinking back on it, I just remember the feeling of not even looking at the table. I would just be looking at my opponent. I knew what was on the table, and if I didn't know what was on the table, the table just made it so that I was always winning. It was just ridiculous. Uh, I remember one point having just like uh, a really you know, couple decent cards in one, and I was five lands, and I just did the keep, and all I did was just rip bombs off the top of my deck for ten turns straight. Like, it was <laughs> everything that could go right was going right, except for that last match. And even in, like, the top eight, like, I had a bad deck. I had worse deck at that table, I'm pretty sure. And still, it just kept delivering as much as it could. I ran out of gas at the end, unfortunately. Do you think you, like, you you kind of alluded to just ribbon bombs and getting lucky and stuff. Do you think that it was play skill? Now, be honest, be honest. Do you think it was play skill or just getting lucky? Uh, I definitely had things going my way, like, absolutely. Uh, for the field part of it, I think I did the best deck I could out of my pile. Like, I don't think I would, well, actually, I would make one change. Uh, I'd uh, double a mass. I should have cut one of those and put the Nettle Sentinel in, and it did get sideboarded in every game. So, like, mm-hmm. as far as the deck building goes, I think I did really, really well there. And I was I was playing that deck really well, like, just a matter of just playing the basic tempo game, basic tempo game. So it was going really well. Uh, the first draft, it was a red-green thing, so you don't really have to think too much of those ones. Yeah. And then so uh, the second draft got nuts. 
Like it was just bomb dot deck. So I had uh, I had what uh, three rares, two mythics in the main deck. So oh my <laughs> god! Why don't you tell yeah. us? Why don't you tell us what those were? Okay, so the third draft was just the bonkers draft because at that point there, I'm pretty much a lock for the top eight already. And uh, I open up my first pack and I get and treat angels in there. And the only thing in that pack that would have been worth picking a, a around that would have been a, a Wolf or Avenger. So I went with the Entreat because it's an Entreat the Angel. That's kind of cool. Because <laughs> uh, you weren't high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> the funny thing with that one was at the end of the first pack, I was totally paranoid that, like, I was in no colors and I was freaking out that I wasn't going to have a good draft because I had, for white, I had that. I had the 2-1 Avenger, 2-1 uh, uh, Vigilance dude. And I had, uh, oh, geez, I had something else, just a really mediocre white card. I had one green card, one blue card, one red card, and then, like, four black. So oh, God. it was kind of all over the place. Uh, pack two happens. I rip a Wolfier Silverheart, who seriously was in, like, every deck I played except for the top eight that deck. <laughs> uh, then I get past Riders of Gavney, followed by a Silver Blade Paladin, followed by the 2-4 Flying Lifelink white card. So, like, it's just like... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So you were white-black? Uh, green, uh, green, green, black. Yeah, actually, I end up going white green. So I get like a fourth mage a little bit later on. Then pack three, <sighs> I rip uh, something stupid. I can't remember. Just something, another good, de- decent green card, and then get past the uh, uh, Sigarda, which like doing the point there. Yeah, so oh it was one of those, like, where it's like after pack one, I was paranoid, but then, like, after pack three, I was sitting there yeah. shit eating and knowing Just I was play all your go. rares. Just play all exactly. your rares. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah I felt so, pretty so, bad so for luck, then, luck, then, right? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a lucky format. Like, what can you say? Like, you get a wolf or silver heart, and you're going to win, like, more matches than you're going to lose. Yeah, like, that fuck guy you, Medina. Huh? I said, fuck you. Hey, I'm just, I'm just asking him, you know, because sometimes when you run good, you know, you kind of get the idea that you're good at magic, but ninety percent of the time is just not true. Guy, you, you know, can't, you can't go fifteen and zero and be lucky for fifteen. Uh, no, 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 that, that's that's not true. Avison, right? that's true. That, that, that's absolutely true. Like, there's no question that Jeremy's obviously, you know, an accomplished a magic sickle. player of some degree at least, right? <laughs> like, granted, yes, he was provided a lot of the tools that helped him get there, but, like, if you still can't hit a nail in straight, you're not going to hang a picture. Yeah, I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. I'm not saying I could do it, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know? I'm just, I'm just interviewing the guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Like, there were some crazy pools out there. Like, I know that uh, there was a, a sealed deck. One guy had three Wolf or Silver Hearts in a sealed pool, so that would have been a nice pool to play with. Uh, but oh I was God. playing the one rare sealed pool. Of course, it was a Wolf or Silver Heart, which just counts as, you know, an I win hit card, so... Yeah. Uh, and I was, again, like, we're going to talk about luck. I was stupid lucky. I had 12 games where I was able to cast that guy on turn five. Like, I was keeping a running total. Like, it was just wow. bonkers that that thing wow. was always in the opening hand. So it, it's it's hard to lose when you're getting that type of luck. Yeah. Um, now, I did go up and just get some good bits. Like, uh, there's uh, Morgan Chang. He's been hitting GPs everywhere. The guy's, like, you know, just one of those GP grinders. I played him twice. Some I was... Just paranoid the guy was going to wreck me because he's just really good, really 
controlled player. He knows all the triggers. Like, we're sitting at the table, and I'm pretty sure he was keeping track of triggers for, like, four different games. Like, the guy is just <laughs> detail-oriented. He's ridiculous. So <laughs> That's awesome. I was actually going to ask you, did you beat any uh, I played Paul Rietzel, uh under the camera in round eight. So that one was uh, pretty good. Game one, he beat me up pretty good. Game two, he had the, the mulligan uh, trouble. And then game three was just the back and forth uh, nonsense thing. And then, you know, you kind of get to the later rounds and draw Wolf Your Silver Heart and win the game because that's what that card does. So uh, I got a little lucky there for sure. But, but, uh, but you sorry, beat going, him, right? You beat, I did beat you him, beat yeah. Paul yeah, yeah. It, it, it must have felt awesome, right? You're just like, man, did you feel like a badass, like when you beat Paul Rietzel? Uh Yeah, absolutely. It was pretty funny. I was told by the name of Doug, uh, Doug Potter. He's done some pro tour stuff, and uh, he was kind of like my mentor throughout the weekend. And uh, I remember uh, after round seven, uh, getting you know my seven and zero, and running up to him saying, "Hey, you know, I'm getting into the pro territory here, so I'm probably going to finish the match and make a huge mistake." And uh, you know, get hear about it for the rest of my life, or rest of my magic play uh-huh. life at least. And uh, he sat there and turned and said, "Well, no, you're probably going to go up against the pro, and you're going to stomp him, and you're never going to hear about, or you're never going to stop hearing about that." So I found the compromise. Uh, they weren't able to save that one. I guess they lost the footage for round eight. But in game one, I punted that game so many times. Like I punted it in so many different ways. I was the Baskin Robbins of punting. Like I had 52 flavors to punt, punted that game. So. Uh, you know, it was, oh, it was just gross. But uh, after that, I was able to beat him. So it was kind of like I, I found that compromise. I, I punted so hard that it was laughable, but still won that game. And then I didn't have any, like, you know, audible cheer moments. But Richard Hagen came on or came around uh-huh. after that game, and he came in and introduced himself, and we had a quick little chat. And, you know, I was saying, oh, man, you know, you guys must have been just, uh, just uh, loving the game one because I was just doing so horrible, like just making these bad, bad plays. And he's like, we actually lost the, the footage of the match. So that's when I cheered. Like, because yeah. all of a sudden it's like, no one can hold this oil over my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> no one will ever know how bad I really was that day. <laughs> like, I had the, the fist in the air. I was just pumping my friends. Like, that was, like, the first, like, truly awesome thing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then, you get your da- then you get your third and- draft. As he's handing him a hundred dollar bill, he's like, "You lost that footage, right, Rich?" He's like, "Yep, it's lost again. Gone. We don't know where it went." Yeah, so that was pretty awesome. I had a couple text coverage, uh, but you know, playing uh, Terry Lau, he's you know kind of old school uh, pro from uh, Vancouver, so I got to play him. He was uh, pretty cool to play against. Like the guy's just he's stoic. You sit there and you just watch him play, and he, he never makes a, a facial expression or anything. Like that. He is the perfect poker face player, so that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I was just uh, playing kind of like, it, it was a really weird top eight. Like, there was, you know, no really recognizable names in the top eight, aside from, you know, again, Morgan Chain, because he's been doing the, the whole uh, GP grinding thing, but uh, also there was a Marcin Siskensky, uh, and that guy, I guess he's been grinding European GPs from Ireland who came over and played, so he was really cool to meet. Uh, and then I guess Brian Wong was just like a really big uh, moto grinder type guy also, so it was really cool. Nice. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really awesome event. Uh, got to do all these crazy things. I went into the event just saying, hey, I went on a day two. Uh, once I hit 7-0, my buddy's like, well, why don't you just try and win it? And then once I got to, like, the 13-0, they're like, well, why don't you try and perfect it? And it was really cool because I had a buddy who was 
X2 and 1 at the end of the first day, and he made day 2 because of the 128 players, because we had just over 800. So if he had won his last match, his round, 50, his ma- uh, round 15 match, and I won my round 15 match, he would have been in, but if he lost it or if I drew with the guy, it would have, you know, knocked him out. So it was really, really cool to say, you know, I can go 15-0 and 0 for myself for, holy crap, I went 15-0. and 0. But also, you know, it was also going to help out a teammate. So, you know, there was no really hard feelings in that sense of saying, like, sorry, I got to do it for my teammate, and it's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the closest thing to a scumbag thing because uh, Morgan, uh, I played him in uh, round 15, and uh, I remember sitting down at the table, and he wanted to do the draw, and I was like, sorry, I can't do it. And this guy walked up to him, and he's like, he's going to just crush me, you know? Like, so. Uh, <laughs> We had a good three-game match, though, but uh, it was it was pretty cool to be, you know, the guy to beat. So nice. uh, it never happened again. So <laughs> I got to enjoy so, it. So did you guys uh, did you guys split at all? Did you like was the top eight just everyone get what you get, or what was the deal? Uh, I think the top eight was everyone get what you get. So uh, <laughs> the only person who said uh, asked for a split was uh, David Stroud, the the guy I eventually lost to right at the end. Yeah. And it was so weird because I sit down at the table and he asked for it. And in my head, like, when I drafted my top eight deck, I'm like, oh, geez, you know, like, if I can get, you know, if I can get one match win and get the Pro Tour invite, that would be so awesome. Right. I wasn't expecting that I was going to make it all the way. But then I won the two rounds, and he came up, and he's like, he wants to offer that draw. And in my head, I was rationalizing it in the sense of, if you take the split, then you're saying you don't think you can win this match. And that's weakness, and there's no time for that right now. So it's like, I just want to play it as is. Let's go for it. I, I want to do it. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe I gave myself bad karma by saying that I didn't want to split and uh, hurt myself there. Did you ask him? Did you ask him after you lost about a split? So, like, <laughs> when, while you were losing, were you like, "Hey, dude, uh, are you into that split now? What do you think?" Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, that's the thing. Is he asked? I declined. I wasn't going to try and do any scumbaggy type stuff like that. I just wanted to. I just wanted to win desperately. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you guys did fine. Like, I mean, you you walked out of there what, like, twenty three hundred bucks or something like that. Twenty three hundred bucks, and then I had also gotten like uh, I did uh, the face to face game T shirt, so I got some good store credit for that. And nice, uh, yeah. They uh, KYT's got me writing an article for them, so that's kind of cool. Also, so work. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been pretty cool. Like, me complaining about not winning the game is definitely a first-world problem. It's like, oh, geez, you got second. <laughs> like, nobody's crying. <laughs> so. Well, that's awesome, man. That's a really good, uh, really nice tale for me to end. Like, that's a sick run. You was really proud run. of yourself. The coolest part about it was the community. Like, that, you know, the games are awesome and everything like that, but it's all said and done. I don't remember what happened in the individual matches. I do know some of the bad beats and some of the blowouts I got, but for the most part, what I remember is, like, you finish a game and you run over and you see your friends and they're all jumping all over and freaking out and everyone's just, like, you know, giving you the positive encouragement. And, like, after day one, I'd only draft the set twice before before the GP. Like, Couple I brags. only done two, two drafts. So, like, the guys went out. They got the business room at their hotel. They ordered pizza, and they taught me how to draft Addison Restored, like, that evening. So nice. um, one of the guys, Mike Lewis, he played Paul Reedsel under the camera in round 15. That was my buddy who was trying to get in. He was in a win-and-in situation. That guy had not lost a match, like, lost a match in Addison Restored draft. Uh, 
since the set came out. So he sat there over my shoulder and was just giving me all the information. So we just had a couple boxes and we just draft, 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 not play any games, but just put together decks, throw it to the side, draft again. So it was really cool to kind of have like my buddies just kind of sit there and all step up and just try and teach me the format uh, in a night. So it was really cool. Nice. Well, I know that uh, Jay didn't quite have that kind of uh, group around him. Uh, (laughs) Instead, his group opted for the potentially more uh, damaging to the liver uh, booze cube experience. (laughs) So, yeah, wow. So the booze cube is, uh, you, you know what, Jay? Fuck, go. Sure. So, uh, first of all, I did play in the GP. Yeah, but and, didn't you, uh, like, 0-2 scrub out? No, I went 1-3. 1-3 drop. And I would have kept playing had I known that some of the 6-3s would have made day 2, but they said only 7-2 makes it. And I, I think I misbuilt my pool. Um, I, I was under the impression that I had the insane red-white pool, and uh, I was blinded by my red... I mean, sorry, my white rares. And uh, it turned, like, red-green. But every time I play red green, I'm just in this like trap situation where I'm like, just fucking this card, this deck sucks, and I don't do anything, and then I just lose. So I didn't want to do that, so I scrubbed out. And uh, so uh, first, I have to give a shout out to Adam Jury, who has never been to a GP before, and uh, who doesn't play Magic very often. Uh, he was showcased on a Star City Games uh, tournament a little while ago. He's a local guy. Um, he makes his own tokens, and they're really, really awesome. He commissions the art from artists and everything. And uh, he went 7-2 on day one, uh, yeah. just just breezed through it. I think he went 6-0 and then 1-2 to finish the day, something like that. And uh, he did really well, so I have to give him props uh, for making day two and then hanging in there and trying to, trying to make top eight. He ended up finishing, I think, 100th. Out of, uh, like, 900, so it's pretty good for your first GP, so good for him. Um, but, yeah, and then we went back and we played the, the Booze Cube. So the Booze Cube, uh, you can Google that. I don't know the official website because it's, like, a Blogspot website. It's like the boozecube.blogspot.com or something Dot like com that. or something, yeah. So, so um, it's this guy has gone out, and you can follow him at Twitter at the Booze Cube. He, uh, he has created his own set uh, wherein... He has in like invented mechanics and cards, uh, and you know some some are functional reprints of real magic cards, but have to do with drinking. And originally, like we kind of thought, I kind of thought it was going to be a little bit, uh, maybe like a little too high schooly. I was worried that it was going to be uh, too too like, oh, you play to land, you take a drink, uh-huh. uh, like like that. But it actually it's really balanced and it's really well done. Um, and, uh, it's, it's actually just a really, really, really well done, um, really well done set. So, like, for an example of some of the cards that this guy has in his set. So everybody is familiar with, uh, Propaganda? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So for our listeners out there that aren't, Propaganda is a blue enchantment. It's, uh, one blue and then two colorless. Creatures can't attack you unless, uh, their controller pays two mana. For Uh, each attacking creature. For each attacking creature. So in this uh, set, he has a similar, same with uh, Ghostly, is it Ghostly Prison? Is yeah. the, white, the white variant of that? Yep. Okay, so, uh, so it's the same card, it's just white instead. So in, in the Booze Cube, for example, he has a card, what's it called? Shit. Damn it, I don't know what it's called now. But anyway, he has a card where they have to drink two uh, in order to attack you. And a drink is just a regular 
you know, like one second of drinking or a regular what you would normally take for a sip before, you know, a creature can, can get through. Uh, he has a, a keyworded ability called Booze Touch, which is uh, whenever this creature deals damage to you, you have to take a drink. Uh, and then he has a, he also has a mechanic called Intoxicated, which is like poison. Instead of dealing damage, this creature deals damage in the form of drinks. Um, and then he's got some funny stuff like like drink cycling. Uh, so there's numerous cards that have drink cycling, like one, two, three, four. Uh, and then um, you know you you obviously you do that at instant speed. You drink the amount, you cycle the card, and then they normally have effects. So there's a cycle of cards uh, similar to a cycle of creatures in in um, like in regular magic where you could give trample, first strike, haste, flying, stuff like that. So it's like when you drink cycle this, all your creatures get this until end of turn. Um, yeah, it was it was actually like super fun. And uh, the second time I drafted it, because uh, it's a cube, so you're drafting it. Uh, there's not enough right now. There's not enough cards to draft a full by itself set. If you have more than say three, maybe four people would be cutting it pretty close. Um, so the first time we did it with three, and uh, my buddy Steve just he didn't he didn't know the set at all. So he just did the old adage of just draft guys and turn them sideways. So he drafted all the booze touch creatures. So we we just got like and like we just got fucking just fucking hammered, man. Like we we couldn't go a turn. Like you play multiplayer and we couldn't go like a cycle of turns without each of us having to take like five drinks. And he's just sitting back dealing damage, like winning a magic game. And we're like trying to have fun with these stupid cards and stuff, right? And then uh, in the second draft. I ended up drafting, just somehow, I ended up drafting, like, the hyper, super, mega, blue-white, can-never-be-attacked control deck. <laughs> so, like, so it was, it was actually kind of funny. So I had a card called Walk of Shame, which is, um, it's, uh, again, a functional reprint. When somebody attacks you, when a creature hits you and deals damage to you, you put a shame counter on them, and then they can't attack you unless, they, uh, unless the shame counter gets removed. Uh, the way that they remove it is they drink, their controller drinks four at any time wow. to remove that. Okay, so like, yeah, so you have to take four drinks. Then I also had Jesus Christ, who is a, <laughs> he's an 04 for two mana, two white. And it says, if he would be put into the graveyard from the battlefield, exile him instead. If Jesus Christ is exiled in this way, return him to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. Whenever Jesus Christ is sacrificed, you may gain two life. Then I also had impaired judgment, which is a wrath. Destroy all creatures each player drinks for each creature he or she controlled. Uh, what else did I have? I then also had that propaganda. So, like, in order to attack me, you had to drink, basically, you had to drink six. Um, <laughs> sweet. I had closing time, which is a five mana, put each creature on the back, or sorry, on the bottom of their owner's library. Oh, nice. Flashback, flashback, drink nine. Uh. <laughs> um, I so, had the... It should be noted. There's other mechanics in there as well, like oh yeah, shot like shot. So there's there's this drink, which is yeah. like a standard drink of your beer or whatever. Shot. There's also chug. Yeah. Um. And like so, for example, the the reason that I was so hammered, uh, yeah. for example, on um, on turn one of the three player booze draft. So I drafted a pretty good black red deck with Chandra and uh, and. Jack Daniels as my planeswalkers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I drafted all the five colored lands. And I drafted a moss. And so my first turn goes, okay, so then there's, there's a cycle of really powerful lands, of one of each color, in this set. There are basic lands, basically, right? Like there's one of each color. They don't come into play tapped or anything, but when they come into play, you have to take a drink. And then they can tap for one of whatever color of mana they are. Or you can, when you tap them, you can take a drink 
and you can tap it for two mana of that color. So on turn one, you can basically have a soul ring for free. Um, so these, these cards are insanely powerful, and even when they're off color, you take them. Uh, you should be taking them anyway, just a little you know, uh, strategy for the people that listen to the A-team, uh, if you're going to be playing it with people that don't. Absolutely take these cards whenever you can. Even, even like I said, even as uh, an off-color, just a soul ring, ring yeah. that's amazing, by the way. Um, so anyway, so my first turn goes the swamp one of these, take a drink. Abandoned mo- speakeasy. Right, the mo- the mocks, which is, um, I don't remember what it's called, but you have to take a shot when it comes into play, or you have to um, sack it. And we forgot to put what we, were, what we had bought for shots in the freezer to chill it. So it was vanilla vodka. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, so it was very thick and syrupy. Uh-huh. So my first turn, right? Right, just so everyone's with me. Play a land, take a drink. Play this mocks, take a Foil shot. Mox. Foil right? mocks. Foil mocks. Battlefield, take a shot if you don't yeah. sacrifice it. Yep. Yeah. Play the mocks, take a drink to tap the land for two, right? So I'm at four-ish, five-ish, six-ish drinks by now, right? Tap the mocks for, for blue, and then play Rhystic Study, which is, uh, but, the, but the booze version, which is whenever somebody plays a spell, they have to take a drink or I get to draw a card. Oh, my God. <laughs> On turn one, right? That's my turn one, right? So, of course, these guys are like, oh, my God. We cannot let him draw infinite cards. This is going to be awful. And they just proceed to fucking, like, drink all night and play It's multi- drink two. It's oh, not yeah, drink sorry. one. It's drink two. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Steve, Steve, who was the guy that had all the booze touch creatures, because he's playing, like, more than one spell a turn because he's the aggro. Like, every his curve was three, right? <laughs> he, um, he had finished, like, five beers by the time turn five rolled around. <laughs> Yeah, he was fucking just hammered. And you guys uh, managed to finish the game. Oh yeah, we did. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so how do you, so how do you win or lose? Right, like you win or lose the game of Magic, or if you just fucking quit, you lose. Yeah, or if you quit. So so like so for example, um, my buddy Cam broke the format, <clears throat> and this is one way that you can win. So I won the first game just by killing people. Um, I mean we were fucking fucked, but I just killed them, so it was fine. Um, so. In the second game, my buddy Cam drafted this card that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, put a card in your... This is the, this is the thing about the booze draft, is that not all the cards are alcohol-related, um, which is good. It's kind of interesting. So he has this enchantment that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library and put it in your graveyard, and then put a card, any card, in your graveyard on top of your library. So just, just a moment of silence, just so you, while you figure out how good that card is. Okay. I know it's so, a minute. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so you, so you take the card every every turn. You take yep. the first card off the top of your. Okay, first turn you go through your library. You take a card. You put it in the graveyard. Right. Right, and then you also then take a card and put it on top of your deck. No, 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 no. This 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 card is just reveal the top card of your library. Yeah. Put it in your graveyard. Yeah. Put a card in your graveyard on top of your library. Okay. So so he also drafted Bloodbraid Elf. Oh god. <laughs> so he had that mechanic going constantly. And then there's a um there's a there's like an overrun or like a uh, Titanic ultimatum variant in this as well. And it uh, gives your guys haste, trample, intoxicated. Yeah. Plus 3 plus 3. Liquid now, courage it's called. Yeah, liquid courage, right. Thank you. 
So this this card obviously doesn't kill you similar to Poison Wood, like a Poison Overrun Wood or a regular Damage Overrun Wood, but it does kill you with alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> so so Cam goes Cam goes like he has he has infinite Bloodbraid Elves and he has infinite this card right like he basically can't like lose he can't draw out and he can't do anything. He goes Liquid Courage. And he has two dragons, a Baneslayer Angel, a Gaia's Revenge, and something else. <laughs> and Adam, Adam, the guy who who was, you know, seven two and needed to go play a game or day two, Adam's tapped out and like has Alpha swung and killed someone, so he can't block. And Cam attacks him for forty four intoxicated. So so Adam has to drink two full sized three finger deep. Uh, Viserono and orange juice. Oh my oh. god! And the rules of the game state that the game can't progress until you finish that. So we all just basically have to wait for him to either die or concede or chug his drinks, right? And Adam's not really a drinker in the first place. <laughs> so he's like... <laughs> what are you doing playing this card? Yeah, yeah. So he's sitting there and he's like, oh my god. Oh, my God. And they're like, man, you just got to do it. You just got to do it, man. And he's like, okay. So he drinks the one, and he's just, like, going like a champ. He just chugs this fucking disgusting drink. And then the second one, he gets, he's going pretty slow, like, and he's doing the, 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 and uh, he gets, he gets done. But then, of course, it's my turn next. So I, of course, I'm like, yeah, okay, I attack you. I have this, I have a, I have basically a Hellrider drunk cube variant. Whenever uh, Hellrider attacks this, whatever this guy's called, um, the, the defending opponent has to drink for each creature that's attacking him. So, of course, I attack Adam with just three guys, one of them being Jesus Christ, who's an O4. And uh, he, he, I'm like, yep, so you have to drink three, and then if you don't block, you just take, like, four damage or whatever. No, no, no. He's, just like, he's just like, nope, scoop. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. that's another way. You're like, I attacked this guy with uh, four guys. One of them happens to be Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's actually really awesome. I recommend anybody uh, that likes to play Cube and likes to drink to absolutely go and play this. Um, you do, if you plan on playing with more than three, uh, four ish players, you do have to have your own cards. And um, one, like, word of the wise, some more super secret tech for the listeners of the A-Team. There's not a single fucking piece of removal uh, artifact or enchantment <laughs> in this set. There's no artifact or enchantment removal. So when somebody sticks, like, first of all, like, the two-drink minimum, which is when you attack them, you have to drink twice. And Ristic Resort, which is when you have to drink twice when you fucking play a spell. And they, they stick the fucking Breathalyzer, which is tap down a creature. It doesn't untap. If, uh, but you can only do that if the player drank this turn. So, of course, they have to drink to attack you, and then you tap their guy down, and it just never untapped. These things can't be removed in the regular game. Um, so, like, so just make sure you put, like, O-rings and maybe even, like, Curse Break and Naturalize in your Yeah, cube. seriously. Like, I, I'm, like, I'm going through the cube list, I'm like, there's one Revoke Existence. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's got no removal, so it's actually like, a good substitute for uh, Avacyn Restored if you guys need to practice up on that. <laughs> yeah, damn yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But you want to actually enjoy it, then there you go, right? <laughs> um, and then I also have a request. I would like somebody to figure out for me how good Necropotent is. 
So Necropotent is a triple black enchantment. Skip your draw step, but uh, you can take a shot to draw two cards. So I, I really need someone to f break that. I really need someone to figure that out. I think that's not powerful enough. You really? Well, okay. Sit me well, down. You, you, want ancest you want Ancestral for a shot? Yeah. Fuck. I want to know. Okay, let's let's ask Super Sicko Jeremy Schofield. How it depends. Many, you could be playing more than one game. Yeah, like how many shots are you? That, that, that's a suicide attempt right there. You know, like that. Yeah. You can do some ridiculous things, but you ain't playing another game afterwards. I don't think. Yeah, like, yeah. like I was just trying to go through my mind and thinking, like, man, I could take a shot, rip two lands, just fucking okay. Cool. Well, see, that's uh, good, but if you just take all those shots at once and everything like that, you got about a good 20 minutes before you're passed out on the floor, so you could really do die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Get there. Um, and, I mean, there's another enchantment that's seven mana. It can never be removed, and it's literally one of the only pieces of removal in the entire game. Take a shot, target opponent, sacks a creature. Oh. Like, that's insanely powerful. But, like... Oh, man, sometimes you just have, like, 20 creatures. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about Corporate Tutor? Like, that seems like it's way over-costed, so, right? Yeah, yeah so, way too no, it's, it's, it's not at all. It's not at all. It's, it's actually just as powerful as you think it is. It's even more so. Um, so Corporate Tutor is the second pick that I picked in the first draft. I went, first pick, Chandra Party Girl. <laughs> second, That's so good. Chandra Party Girl is actually just a broken card. She's probably the most powerful uh, Planeswalker in this set besides the white one. And the only reason the white one is really powerful is because he just goes and gets you all the really awful enchantments that no one can remove for free. Um, so, the, like, that's bad. That's bad for you. Um, so so she she's really amazing. Her first ability and second ability and third ability aren't really synergistic, but they're amazing. Her first ability is put a counter on a guy, and it's haste and first strike. Her second ability, like her plus one, her minus two is reveal a card at random and dome a guy or a player uh, equal to casting cost. So, like, that's just super powerful. Like, again, in a cube, no removal. Yeah. And, and then her, I don't remember what her ultimate is. Oh, her ultimate is you get a, an emblem and you can play sorceries at instant speed, but you have to take a drink. So who cares about that? Nobody. But it's whenever you cast. It's whenever you cast a spell drink. So not yeah. whenever you use the ability. Like every spell you cast, yeah, you have to, drink. You have to take a drink. So I don't know how powerful that is, but I just use her to just make every single guy haste first strike and then fucking get there. Woo! So yeah, I appreciate the artist name on that card. Show us your mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so corporate tutor. This is the last. I mean, we're getting a little long in the tooth about the booze cube. I can tell Medina's falling asleep, but. The the last card is is Corporate Tutor. It's, again, it's, it's one of the most most powerful cards in the game, uh, besides Spring Break, and uh, it only <laughs> one black. It's a it's a demonic tutor for one black. Kicker, you have to drink ten. Now the rules state that ten is like a drink is just a regular what you would normally drink, and or when it's multiples, you can just drink for that many consecutive seconds. Oh. So drink 10, you're not actually getting like, I don't know if you guys have ever played drinking games. I have, mm -hmm. so let me volunteer some information for you. When you have to take 10 separate quick, like, sips with breaths. It's uh, terrible. You're breathing, it's awful. You, you die. You just get air in your, in your bloodstream, and then you die. And then you die. You die. <laughs> so this seems awful. But because the rules say that you can just effectively chug, like, half a beer or... Well, three quarters of a beer if you're not a bitch. Um, then 
then this card was super powerful. So I draw this card on turn 28. It's Demonic Tutor, <laughs> Black Mana, Kicker, Drink 10, right? Search your library for a card, put it in your hand. But if you want, you can also, if you kicked it, you have to drink 10 to cast it. But if you kicked it, you get to do it twice. So you can drink 20 for two cards, or you can drink 10 for one card. And of course, like by turn 20, I'm like hammered. Like I am <laughs> drunk. So I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Do it. <laughs> so I, like, I make my friend Steve go get me two beers, and I just see just basically slam these beers. And then I go get like Borat and something completely irrelevant, like something that didn't do anything. I just like blew it. And uh, got, like, a soul ring or something. Something's just garbage. And um, But, like, it definitely is the card that won me the game. Like, drinking 20 to get any card you want is nigh unbeatable. Like, just insane unbeatable. Wow, sir. So, so yeah, it was a good time. We almost we were this close to having uh, Owen and Conley come do it with us. And then their girlfriends vetoed them. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, that would have been a story, man. Oh, my you know, God. Could you imagine? We had a hot tub too. It was this close. Wow. So, um, speaking of your hot tub, yeah. Did you have any guests in your hot tub that you made sit on the uh, faucet? Sit on the faucet? No. Whoa, <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah. Did did, did Lancel come over? No, he didn't. Oh, okay. Then he, he he alluded to it on Twitter. Oh, man, no. Every time we went to go hang out with Lanza, we'd be like, we're here. And he'd be like, okay. And then halfway there, he'd be like, oh, I just have to go to my room and change. Which seemed plausible enough because he was in his judge uniform. And I imagine that was swanty. And uh, <laughs> so he just never... Swanty. He just never shows up. And then we're going to the bar, which is literally a block and a half up the street the next day. And he's like, hey, where are you guys going? And we're like, we're going to the caged elephant. You should come. And then we're at the caged elephant for like an hour and a half. Never shows up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe he so, was brewing, man. Maybe he was like doing a top secret brew thing. Top secret brews. Yeah. And I mean, he's the not much of a cube. He said he wasn't that much of a drinker. So he didn't want a booze cube with us afterwards, but I mean, come on, man, you could have came to the restaurant, could have came to the bar. I wouldn't have beat you Anti up. Anti shout out. Anti. I wouldn't have beat you up in public. <laughs> so, so how 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 well do you think that uh, like Broken City is is going to love playing having the booze cube in its building, right? Oh man, I hope that I get. I hope they love it. I I can't imagine not playing this on a Sunday morning at That's like a match made in heaven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I just can't imagine not doing that, <laughs> and like especially with Avison around, and then like and followed by like M thirteen. Like how how much better can this possibly get? Well, right, because we've got like useless limited formats for the next like four Six, months, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I mean, we're golden. We're golden, man. Nice. It's good. Hey, it is the core set without mind control or overrun, so there might be a chance that this is actually good to draft. I, I don't know, but... No. No. <laughs> Not right now. I love no, just, it. Just straight now. Sorry. <laughs> Cor- corsets haven't been fun to draft since, well, when they were starting to be called corsets. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, that's fine. I- I'm actually really excited about putting this on pretty soon. 
and and doing this up. It's it's going to be crazy. Like some some criticisms that I had, just like I mean, and again, like this is a this was an amazing amazing format. But some criticisms, like if you're like he designed it to not be solo booze cube. So if you want to yeah. have an amazing time, play solo booze cube. <laughs> like if you want to have just a crazy time, play solo. The problem. The problem, <laughs> the problem when you mix this set with other cards in a cube, is that you all you'll always have that one guy or that two people those spikes that just won't draft any booze cards because they don't have to, and they'll um they'll just draft like regular cards or they'll draft the booze cards and they just won't play them right. They'll just play Baneslayer, Angel Dragons, and kill you. And then you're like, oh ha ha, take a drink. I have I have booze touch, and they're like, okay, well whatever. Who cares about that? Fucking crush you with all my dragons, right? Yeah. So the one thing that I think is that he needs to get on making some more cards. I have some ideas. Maybe I'll send them to him. Um, because Solo Booze Cube is like the best format ever. If you're not going to play Solo Booze Cube, we also instituted a house rule that said that you had to play with at least seven cards from the Booze Cube in your deck. Would it, would it be reasonable to just put two of each card in the cube? Two of each card. Oh, you mean like just so he didn't like don't make more cards, just have multiples? Yeah, just like double the cube as it stands. I think that would be fucking bonkers. You'd have two, like that would be broken. You'd you'd have. Could you imagine getting double fucking Ristic Resort yeah, or double that, two drink or double Demonic Tutor or you like that would just be the potential for that would just be I think too overpowered. This is a very overpowered set already. Okay. Um, and I think if you're gonna draft it with regular cards. Just use complementary cards. Don't use cards that are super powerful. Like my cube, I basically just grabbed cards from around the house. I'm like, yeah, there's dragons and Baneslayer and stuff in it, but there's no swords and there's lots of just there's just lots of guys at random that I just drew. And like I said, I just I just made the house rule just for testing that you have to have at least seven booze cards in your in your deck from the set. I mean, not all of them have to deal with booze either. Like, um, there's a guy called Borat, and he's two colorless, and then either white or black. He's hybrid. Uh, so two colorless, white, black, white, black. For a 2-4, he has, uh, when he comes into play, you draw two cards, and you have to high-five. He also has protection from Jew. All right, yes. Has, and there's only one Jew in the set, and that's Jesus. Um, but, <laughs> Are you serious? It's a Jew carpenter. Yeah, I made sure to go look. And it, that's hilarious. You know, but, I mean, so, like, <laughs> very obvious has nothing to do with drinking besides being, like, a frat card, like a like a big funny drunk card, but like yeah. this card's insanely powerful, right? Uh, and I I picked this I think second or third every single time we ran through it or goldfished it or anything because it's just it's just a crazy card being able to just go draw two, um, and like there's there's other cards that are similar to that where they have very good just kind of non drinking. Connotations like the porcelain throne is just tap one and tap it to put a one-one artifact creature into play. That artifact creature has booze touch, but even if it didn't, like just tapping it to put a one-one guy into play is, you know, a good, good limited card anyway. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah. So that's those are the rules that we made. Um. Some things kind of seemed like an odd downgrade as well. He has something called what's the solemn in this set called? He doesn't have his cards in order, so it's difficult for me to find it. But it's a colorless creature. It's it's like a solemn simulacrum, and uh, but it's worse because you don't draw a card when it dies. 
So when it comes into play, you have to take a drink. And if you drink, you get to search your library for basic land and put it into play. But that's it. It's a 2-2. So when it dies, you don't get to draw a card. Hmm. So, like, I don't really understand why that was done or if it was an oversight or, like, what happened. But, like, that was kind of, that was something that for some of the newer players that we played the Booze Cube with was counterintuitive for them because they just saw, like, Drunken Solemn or, you know, something like that. And it's very obviously a Solemn Simulacrum. And, um... And, like, didn't realize that it was just functionally a worse reprint. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a good card, and I still played it. I mean, ramping from 4 to 5 and limited is good with a body is good anyway. But things like that. But it was, to me, other than that, uh, the only other thing is that um, I've, I've vocalized it before, and I don't know, Jeremy, maybe you have something to say about this, but multiplayer formats, when it's more than three or four people, generally is really boring. Yeah. This, this isn't. Like, there's no way this is boring. It, it isn't. Because it's pretty funny and hilarious the whole time. The only problem is it depends on how drunk you are. Because the drunker you are and the longer you're not doing anything, the more likely you are to either just be like, fuck it, and leave, or pass out. Yeah, I can't be playing this with more than four people. It would just get to that point where it's like, oh, I have to drink again. You just It it stops being fun. Yeah, like like it becomes one of those things where you're just waiting for your turn. And nobody's doing anything because it's you know multiplayer. So yeah. I think I think the perfect amount to play. He recommends playing multiplayer. I think the perfect amount to play is four player multiplayer. All right. Yeah, because with those big group games, you want people who are thinking about what they're going to do on their turn when it's not their turn, and then playing through their turn quickly. If you've yeah, been yeah. drinking. You're not going to think about your turn. You're going to be just looking at shiny things or trying to figure yeah. out how you're going to yeah. get the next drink down. Like you, you're you're yeah. it's going to be the slowest game ever. And, like, not to mention that you're, like, drinking, but when you're, like, kicking 20 drinks and then taking it <laughs> to, drink three, or to draw three cards, like, you're just fucked. You are fucked. So, so yeah. So it was good. I recommend everybody plays it. It was amazing. It was so fun. We, like, my guts hurt is how much we laughed. Um, I didn't have a hangover the next day because I drank a cup of water the night before because I'm smart. And uh, <laughs> that's a secret for all you kids out there. Drink two cups of water before you go to bed because you're gonna have to piss. Yeah, take an Advil. You're gonna have to piss anyway, and this way you just wake up feeling fine. (laughs) Nice, good for you. Yeah. So yeah, the booze cube definitely play it. Definitely get it. It's free uh, at theboozecube.blogspot.ca. He has a print sheet. He has a visual spoiler. He has the rules. There's a forum where you can ask questions. You can talk to the guy. Twitter, the booze cube. Just I recommend it for sure. Nice. And shout out to Jordan Ostrom who wanted to play the Booze Cube so badly that he just did the dip and never came and hang out with us and did the Booze Cube. He just fucked Jordan off. Shout out to that guy. So, you, did you go out to karaoke or a bar or whatever afterwards? Like, oh, we didn't do fuck all. We had the just... most amazing bachelor pad of all time. It was like an enormous hardwood-floored, booze-filled, food-filled house with a hot tub. Nice. We didn't go anywhere. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we we wanted to have a party, but I mean, we were forty minutes away from the from the tournament center, and uh, I mean, it was only like a fifteen minute train ride, and we could have like, I mean, we we would have no problem like we had like ample beds and ample couch space and everything for people to crash, but um, nobody really wanted to make the trek, right? They didn't know if it was going to be worth it and et cetera. So unfortunately, most of the time it was just the five of us, but it didn't matter because we had so much booze and a hot tub, and it was beautiful out there. So we just didn't, we just did that. That's all we did. Nice. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Nice. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, what's in the future for you, sir? Me? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. What's next um, for you? Next for me, I was looking at Columbus, but it's ridiculously expensive, so I don't think that's going to happen. But I talked to my boss, and I think I'm going to do uh, Team Shield in San Jose and then do, like, the whole week of Magic uh, up into Seattle right afterwards. So that's uh, kind of the goal right now. But uh, a couple of things right now is just even trying to find people to test modern with, figure out what to play there. So uh, I've got a few friends who are trying to put something together, uh, you know, just find some people to work with. I might cash in my uh, my little uh, cheap and uh, credit there to see if he can teach me anything. So. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to, you know, kind of school me on uh, most of the modern stuff. So that'll be cool. So let's so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so you won the recent eBay auction, which I guess was happening around Christmas time, was it? Uh, it wasn't Christmas time. It was uh, it was about a month ago, actually. Only only that long. Uh, it's I'm I work in the oil sand, so I'm up in camp like working 10 hour days living in like a little mini hotel in the middle of nowhere uh, and uh i do a lot of ebay do a lot of kickstarter do a lot of anything on the net to kill the time so i saw this auction uh that he was posting on twitter decided hey it would be fun to put a bunch of money into that maybe he'll be at gp vancouver and can teach me how to, to play that format uh it turns out he wasn't at gp vancouver so you know i i won that auction i've had a few you know messages back and forth with him uh, hopefully we'll be able to meet in San Jose, but it was just, you know, one of those things where you kind of see, you know, like, you know, this would be fun to spend a bunch of money on. It would just be an experience in itself. So uh, how much did yeah, it end up costing? What was the final? Well, I had, uh, uh, I think I was in for about two forty on it or something like that. And it's like a three hour session. So that's not uh, bad. It's, yeah, it's not too bad. You know, like, uh, I can, it's a pretty good price for probably, well, yeah, it's, it's private coach by one of the best, uh, deck builders out there. Like, you know, I, I probably would have went 200 bucks on Smitty, so. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, okay, so what are you looking to learn then specifically? Like, are you are you looking to brush up deck building? Are you, you know, looking to try to get, you know, some tips and tricks surrounding a specific tournament? Like, have you thought about any of that yet? You know, I have. I've thought about, you know, even trying to figure out, like, you know, what what is an ideal lesson plan to get from something like that? So. I want to get a little bit of limited stuff, get his impression on, you know, Return to Ravnica, of course, you know, you're going to see all these set reviews and everything like that, but you always see set reviews right as the set's being spoiled or right as the set comes out, and then you never hear anything about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, card choices, you hear somebody say, never draft this card, it's garbage, and then three weeks later, it's like the number one draft card. So, you know, just seeing where it is after a little bit of uh, thought there. You know, I'm not going to get a lot of modern information because, well, the Pro Tour is going to be coming up and they're going to probably have a deck that they're on, but maybe you can get a little bit of information out of them or see what they've tested or see what they think is the Tier 1 decks. And, you know, even just bring a deck and just say, hey, this is something I've been thinking about. What's your thoughts on it? How do you sideboard or how do you build a good sideboard for it? You, so should like, bring, you should bring a, not to interrupt you, but what you should do is you should mm -hmm. bring a non-disclosure agreement with you. <laughs> and then you should just get see if he'll give you his deck, sign this non-disclosure agreement, and then just GV. Well, yeah, be awesome, right? That that would be really really cool. But you know what's that going to get you? I I don't think a non-disclosure is really going to get you anywhere. In in my previous work and stuff like that, I've always found <laughs> that the non-disclosure is kind of like once you need to use it, the damage is already done. So I guess yeah, I guess yeah, that's true. That's true. Nice. So, but it, it would just be an experience just to sit down and talk half an hour or three hours with a guy on just 
stupid decks yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I love playing stupid decks. Before I went to GP Vancouver, they do a standard tournament every Thursday at the shop I play at, and I brought Primal Surge and played a Primal Surge deck. So I like playing the stupid kind of campy decks, and it might be fun just to even talk a stupid campy deck, but at the same time, you know, I, if I'm going to the Pro Tour, I can't play something stupid. So <laughs> i, I, I got to play something legit. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, despite the fact that uh, Chroma's Memorial is spoiled in M13, it still does not a Primal Surge deck make. No, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> maybe a well, Grand Architect awesome. deck, but... That's, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd still be probably tier 2.5, somewhere in that neck of the way. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the FNM caliber? Yeah, yeah absolutely, a 2-2 two two at an FNM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. All right, so... uh do we want to, is there anything else we want to talk about, gents, or do we want to move to shoutouts? Uh, I can't really remember if there's anything else to talk about. That's you our effect of the booze cube. I heard about a crazy deck, and I don't know if it would be cool to talk about, but standard, I heard that there was like sure. a treacherous kit bean deck. Have you guys heard of this thing? No. no. I haven't. So, apparently there was a PTQ that was won by a guy playing four treacherous pit beans and like four vapor snakes four unsummoned a lot of phantasmal images it was kind of like a black blue delver tempo crazy deck and i guess it just tore up delver because everything that delver does it does just a little bit better and delver's best card against it is going to be guys the same trap and you're playing four phantasmal images so i'm sorry this is the treacherous pit dweller that's the two mana two black four three with Undyne, and if it comes back from the graveyard, it goes to your opponent. Right, right. Does the image so, do that from that trigger? Uh, the image does do that from the trigger, but at the same time with the image, you can just choose to make it a different creature, or you can yeah. choose to make it no creature at all and keep it as a 1-1. Yeah. So huh. you kind of have a little bit of uh, fun stuff to do there. But it but, doesn't and, really and it, crazy. And it doesn't go to the opponent? No, no, the no. phantasmal image would only go to the opponent if you brought it back as a treacherous pit feet. Or even then, wouldn't it be a different object? No. It wouldn't. Hmm. No, because it's still, I mean, if you make it, the, it's still going to see if it came into play from the graveyard. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. But no, that's that's really interesting, actually. I, I didn't hear about that. I didn't hear about that either. This sounds cool. Oh, man. Maybe I'll play a Jeremy Schofield Black Blue Brew. Oh, I'm not taking any credit for that, but that's <laughs> most of the crap that I play. So. so what's your favorite deck? What's my favorite deck? Uh, well, you know what? It's not too crap, but I've always been a big fish fan. So when I do try to play a legitimate deck, I'll play fish. But, like, I'll play fish in, like, current standards. So uh, that's where, you know, getting into the crap deck that I like. Uh, but I've always really liked Fish. Uh, I like Birthing Pod type decks. I like Genesis Wave type decks. I like decks that kind of have like this critical mass and do something really stupid type thing. So that's always been, you know, kind of my fun idea of a deck. I, I've never played Delver in an event. Like, huh. it just, it doesn't appeal to me, but I've always wanted to try and find something just a little bit off tilter. I'll always try and build the card with like the, 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 the deck with the stupid, uh, win more card, uh, that new uh, red one that's going to remove all permanents, removes everyone's hands, put life totals at one. I'll probably try and make something stupid with that. Like, I, I like to kind of make goofy decks. Um, and I, I think that's why I kind of like watching uh, Smitty's decks, because they always seem like they're just borderline good. So I, I like to uh, play uh, some of the stuff that he's put together, buff some of those that's brought in in Magic. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh... 
Smitty has had a few in his time, hasn't he? Absolutely. So, good. Excellent. Well, Jeremy, who else? Who would you like to shout out? Oh, my goodness. Uh, shout out. Uh, well, you know, just uh, a lot of the Edmonton guys who are at uh, GP Vancouver. Uh, Potter, he was, like, just, like, super awesome, really, really positive energy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Mike Lewis, again, he almost uh, top-aided. Uh, he lost and he went in, and uh, he taught me how to draft the format, and I play with him every every time I'm in town, every Friday night, I uh, do drafts with him. Uh, guys who went out and got the room, uh, one guy, uh, Michael, he's a guy who runs uh, one of the card stores down there. He had organized the room, bought him pizzas. All the guys were in the draft, so just a lot of shout-outs uh, to those folks. My wife, who is, I guess, my cheerleader on Twitch TV when they're streaming me, uh, oh, nice, and nice. all the information. So when I call in between rounds, she would be telling me what people are saying, asking if I wanted to pass any messages on to the crowd. <laughs> uh, just it was it was a wild experience. Everyone that I met was just so awesome. Like even the people I was playing against, like I just I had so much fun, and it was just really really positive energy. So uh, you know it was it was really really cool. The community is just awesome, and you know it, it's just great to be a Magic player. Like I love the game. So shout out to the Magic itself. Nice. All right. Well, uh, Jay, shout-outs from uh, GP Vancouver. Oh, man, I have so many. So I had a shout-out. Oh, man, that's just too many people. I have to shout-out to all of the guys from Saskatoon who um, made my day on Saturday. Um, there's just too many of you, and I'm sorry I don't remember your names. There's just, like, infinite. There was, like, seven of them. And, I mean, like, I was meeting them for, like, a five-second interval, and then we would, like, leave, and then we'd come back. and like So I have to show them. They're all from Saskatoon. They're all great guys. Uh, I've talked to them on Twitter, but, again, like, I don't want to be wasting a bunch of time, like, ten minutes to find their username, so I apologize. But uh, they were just great guys. I was kind of bummed after my 1-3 when I realized that I'd misbuilt my pool. And it wasn't as good as I thought, and blah, 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 blah. And um, they did a really good job just cheering me up, and... and you know, I had gone basically the whole, uh, the first half of Saturday without being recognized, and uh, only a couple people kind of recognized me, got me to sign some stuff, and then um, they they were just really great, like, just out of the blue, they asked me to, like, sign some cards, alter some cards, they just shot the shit with me, a lot of them wanted me to draw dicks on everything, so I did that, um, who am I to say who, what I should be drawing on stuff is... They're fans, so I just drew it, and uh, I had a great time just with them, so it was, it was really awesome. I wish we could have hung out more. Um, I have a shout-out for, I have to give a shout-out to Johnny T and his son, John T. Um, they took me out for, John came and picked me up and took me out for uh, this amazing lunch uh, in the boonies. Like He drove me like 45 minutes to this awesome uh, place called Pajos on the pier, so where you're eating a fish that like, hasn't even been out of the water for like an hour. It's so fresh. Um, I actually thought he was gonna like drive me out to the a field and like rape me and murder me, because um, because it just kept going. He's like, "Hey, have you eaten yet?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "You want to go for lunch?" I'm like, "Sure." And then I'm thinking like, you know, ten, fifteen, maybe twenty minutes away because it's Vancouver, and like you know, thirty, thirty-five, forty minutes creep up, and I'm like, and we're in like the middle of nowhere, <laughs> just driving, and like, okay, okay, what's my escape plan? What is my plan of attack? <laughs> so big shout out to Wet Lime on Twitter um, for not raping and killing me. Thank you. Um, I have to give a big shout out to Helen Bergeau, who uh, during Watsy cleanup had tweeted that she had just a bunch of shit outside of her her door and that um, 
you know, she was just talking basically, and she mentioned that she had French packs. And one thing that I've wanted to do because a lot of the people of Broken City speak French, a lot of my friends speak French, uh, is have a French draft, and we have to speak French, and we have to say like, you know, we have to do attack in French, we have to tap, play cards, everything in French. I wanted to do it, and uh, she just sent me them, and I thought she was gonna send me like three booster packs, and it got here today. And I opened it, and it was a full fucking box, a French box of Abyssin Restored. So, wow. a, like a huge shout-out. And you know what? Out of all of the Wizards employees that I rag on all the time, like, she is doing an amazing job otherwise. Like, she's of just... listening. She's, yeah, she just listens to what everybody says, and then she just does it, which is awesome. That's what you should be doing. Don't talk to me about buzzwords and crap and this and that and stupid tales from the pit and quirky garbage. Just listen to what I have to say and then do it. And if you don't do it, tell me why you didn't do it and that's it. Leave it alone. Don't pander and shit. So really, really big shout out to her. Thank you so much. Shout out to uh, Chris Lansdale who did a great job judging. Shout out to um, Adam Zakreski who came to his, I think it was his first GP, GP Vancouver. Had a great time and then got certified the next day. Um, Sweet. Yeah, so really, really big shout out to him. I have to give a shout out to RK Post. It was amazing. I didn't get to talk to him for very long because I didn't want to take up his time, and I was kind of sweating and nervous. And uh, But he drew a really awesome altar on my brooding Celerion for me, and he signed, like, just infinite cards. And I have to give a shout-out to, I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Ron, Chris Ron, Chris Ran. He's the guy that drew all the swords. So I'm standing in line for, like, hours to get my swords signed, and I get to him, and I say, you know, hey, how's it going? Really love your work. Thanks for drawing these. Blah, blah. Can you sign them? Thanks. And then I say, like, you know, you could do a doodle of anything you want on there. Uh, uh, you know, like a lightsaber or something, maybe. So he spends all this time, draws a really sweet lightsaber, doesn't charge me anything, doesn't do anything. He just draws this awesome lightsaber for me instead of a sword. Looks bad fucking ass. And then uh, everybody in line is all of a sudden, like, super jealous and wants this, too. So they started asking for it. And he just, like, he drew them pretty good lightsabers. But you could tell he didn't spend as much time on those ones as he did on mine. <laughs> he might have known that he was in the presence of a, fo- uh, a fellow famous person. Not as famous, <laughs> but, you know. Um, I have to give a big shout-out to Jeremy for going 15-0. I'm sorry that you lost the big show, but, I'm, I mean, second place is... Just as good in my mind. I'm really proud of you. You did really great. Um, and he did it the whole time wearing a full suit with a suit jacket and a pink shirt and tie. Yep. Oh, no tie, but I, I did wear the suit. I had a lot of people right. ask me about the suit, and the suit was uh, I came to work. Like, that's the thing. Like, it was the dress for success mentality. Like, when I go to big tournaments, I, I always wear the suit because it just puts me in the mindset that I'm not there. I'm there to have fun, but I'm there to work. So what a crazy guy! What a crazy thing to say! That's amazing. That's so amazing. That's yeah, so awesome. That was, yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, so yeah, so super shout out to you. I'm I'm really. I mean, you'll get there next time. I, I don't doubt it. You did. You played really well. I watched some of your games and stuff, and and it was it was uh, you're a mechanic man. It was really good. It was really awesome. Um, I have to give a shout out to Doug Potter, who was uh, you know he was. He did really well. He was he was uh, he was rooting for everybody. He was being really supportive. Um, you know, he 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 was a super presence there. He he was more famous than I was. So um, big shout outs for Doug. Shout out to the booze cube, uh, the the person, not the physical cube, because it was amazing. Thank you for creating that and putting all that time into it for free and thankless and all that stuff. Um, who else do I have to thank? Obviously, thanks to the Tabor guys, Steve and Cam and Adam. Adam, who went seven and two. 
day one first GP. That was amazing. Oh, man. I really hope I don't forget anyone. I know I'm forgetting people. Fuck. Um, Shout out to Jason Ness, of course. I didn't get to talk to him very much. He was really busy. Um, but he ran a really, really tight ship, and it was a really, really good tournament. Um, so big shout-outs there. Shout-outs to Conley and Owen, who actually gave me the time of day. And shout-out to Tom Martell, who after losing, like, a devastating loss to a guy who shouldn't have won. This guy played, like, he played fine. Um, I think I've seen him before, so he might be a local guy or an Edmonton guy or something like that. Um, but... Um, Tom just bricked and bricked and bricked against this guy, and he didn't. The guy didn't realize that. I think what's the card that can tap or untap target permanent, and when a human comes into play, you can untap him. Is that Captain uh, of the Mist? Captain, yeah, Captain of the Mist or Captain of the Watch or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So this guy had that online, and uh, it was a pretty standstill board. But but um, Martel was doing really well, and he had uh, he was playing. I think red white humans or maybe red green humans. It might have been red green. And he had the uh, the gallows online. He had three humans. He could kill guys. He had the gallows. But uh, he had already used it. And the guy basically had him dead on board if he could keep the gallows tapped or tap one of the guys uh, end of turn so that the gallows wouldn't be able to fire. And he didn't realize that Captain of the Mist was target permanent. Uh, and uh... he thought it was target creature. And, of course, Tom, being a super sicko, uh, just assumed that this guy knew what his cards did and uh, drew something that wouldn't quite get him there and offered the offered the concession, offered the draw. The guy was kind of blown away but didn't want to be, like, really obvious so that Tom, like, bring, brings his hand back real quick. And, uh, you know, I mean, Tom was like, yeah, you just have me. You, I mean, you tapped on my thing, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy was kind of like, tap down your thing. And Tom's like, yep, it's target permanent, scoops his cards up, and is, like, pretty angry. But shout out to Tom for not losing on the guy and for immediately, like, two barns jumped in and got him to sign their mats. And he just gave them the time of day, was super, like, super nice to them. And then I was there, and I didn't want to bother him. But I definitely, definitely didn't want to, like, miss out on meeting, like, my idol, Tom Martell, right? And so uh, I jumped in and talked to him. He was really awesome. He invited me out. Uh, he talked to me for a little while. And then he was like, uh, I'd love to catch up, so come catch me later. But i got to go blow off steam from this from this match. It's not a big deal. I just got to go kind of walk around, clear my head. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Thanks for being polite and meeting me, signing my match, shaking my hand, giving me the time of day. So it, it really meant a lot that the pros were really accessible. And um, and really just open to all their fans, which is, like, that's a big thing. Shout out to the community. It's a really big thing that I think we need to continue on. Um, and then last shout out. Oh, one of, the, one of the Saskatoon guys, MTG Don. Yeah, that's your name. MTG Don, shout out. Um, I have to give a shout out to Matt Mercier, who did really well, and who is, like, personal friends with Brian Kibler. Just blows my mind. Matt fucking Mercier, who's worse than me, who's worse than BZ. <laughs> he's like the worst. So we're sitting there, and he's helping me rebuild my pool because he's like, what about this and what about that? And he's actually being like nice for once, which is really awkward uh, because he's a piece of shit. I love you, Matt. And, um, and so Kibler just walks up and starts talking to him, and Matt doesn't even blink. He doesn't sweat. He doesn't get a robot large. He just talks to him like he's a regular person, and Kibler's talking back like a regular person. And Kibler's not a regular person. He's not. He's, <laughs> Kibler's he's Kibler. Not a, he's a he's the fucking dragon. So then he walks away, and like, and I'm like, and then like, my barns kind of show up, and like are, are giving me some some awesome, uh, you know, big ups. And, and Matt gets all like jealous, and is starting to be like, 
try to put me down so that he can look like super alpha. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, it, 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 I don't take it, right? I give it back, and I end up, you know, you know, on top. My barns still love me, and I'm signing cards. Matt's not. And uh, but then I, the whole time I was just thinking, like, man, you just had a conversation with Kibler. You need to just give yourself some credit. You're pretty sweet, dude. So shout out to Matt Mercier, who I always give shit to, but who's just a great person anyway, and a uh, great guy. So, and he now lives in Edmonton, so they get he him plays instead of with the store I play at. So yeah, he's so awesome. Give him, make sure you give him some shit. Make sure you give him some shit next time you see him. Yeah. Give him some, give him some digs. Give him the, give him the rub-ins. Ask him how he did, and then you know, remind him that you fifteen out. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's it. Shout out to KYT. I hope you do well. This weekend, shout out to Medina, who's phone died. And uh, funny stories. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, sorry to cut you off there. You, you finish, please finish. No, no, go ahead. That's it. I'm all done. Okay, okay so a uh, couple late shout outs. One till Eric Stein. He was a judge there. Uh, he gave me an experience that I've never had before. Um, I played a game three where we rolled to determine who goes first uh, in my grinders. Uh, it was really, really awesome. I was waiting for my round to start, and I missed the announcement, so I went to the table to see if I was still in the game. There was a match slip on the table and nothing else there. I guess the guy I was playing against had, like, a deck issue, so he had to uh, he had to lose a game. I lost the game for being tardy, so we did a, a game three roll the dice, best of one, so that was really cool. And uh, that, that, went, that was just a, a really cool thing. Uh, Jared Gustadi, who uh, was, like, the personal, like, uh, cheerleader at the actual event, which was awesome. And he has a great Kibler story. When I was building that crazy deck that I was telling you about, my second draft deck, me and Mike Lewis were sitting next to each other that for our deck building. And I've got Brian Kibler sitting across the table from me. And oh. I guess Jared comes up to take a picture. Kibler notices him, goes and does like the wave type thing like that. And my buddy Jared's like, uh, Kib, could you actually get out of my shot? I'm trying to get a picture of those two. And Kibler <laughs> just had like the like devastated, like he just green got crushed face. So that was a really, really funny moment. Uh, they got the picture up on Facebook. So that was really cool. Uh, and, yeah, one other one to uh, Brian Zuma, who uh, was probably the funniest moment out of, like, the whole run. I've got all these supportive people, and then I hear somebody uh, just wandering around in between matches, and somebody was telling him that I had gone 13-0, and he kind of looks over, and he's like, that guy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, I'm doing that well. And he's like, but you're bad. And I was like, I know. <laughs> So, that's easy. That's easy for sure. What a piece yeah, of shit. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome, though. Uh, super cool guy. So quick shout-out to him as well. So, yeah, I'm done now. I'll, I'll go away. <laughs> that's it's all awesome. good, man. It's all good. Second place, you deserve it. You can, you earned some of that. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm going to let that go, Jay. You basically, like, shouted out half of Vancouver. So I'm going <laughs> to let that go. <laughs> And and call it at that. So you gotta start running the music, you know. The, yeah, the yeah, noise. yeah. The cane, the cane comes out. Yeah, start start blinking the lights in the back. But uh, but yeah, that that's awesome, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, good luck in in the future. And obviously, you know, uh, you'll have to get back to us around uh, the Pro Tour Rise to uh, Return to Ravnica and let you know let us know how things are going and all of that jazz. I would love it any time, man. I love the show. Uh, it's- it's super honor to be on this. Like, this is seriously, like, this is the cool stuff that happens after a run like that. So, uh, I, again, I'm super honored. I'm super happy. Thank you for having me on the show. Like, it's, it's a magic bucket list thing. So, uh, that's awesome. Sick. Well, I mean, fuck, 15-0. The last person to do that was LSV, as far yeah. as I could tell. So, You're in, in. what's that tell you? You're in good company. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, yeah, so so good night, everybody. Uh, shout out to Medina and KYT. Uh, Medina was here, and then he bailed because his phone died because he doesn't have a charger, but that's okay. Uh, we'll hear from these guys next time, and they'll probably give us a bunch of shit about how much they hated this episode. But they can go fuck off because this was a lot of fun. That's right. Fuck them. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if you want to hear more about it, uh, or or if there's you know anything you guys want to say, keep it coming in the comments. If you like the show, you know, comment, comment on Facebook, share it, share the links, get it out there. You know, the the more people that see the show and and hear of hear from us, the happier we are. So, uh, everyone, take it easy, and we'll see you next week. Whoop whoop. Cuckoo.